I love horror films that leave ambiguity in place. And so it was very much intended that there were a few different ways you could read this film. And as far as I'm concerned, they're all valid. One of the most exciting things for me has been seeing some reviews where people are like, oh, I think it's about this. And when it's one where I'm like, that is not what I had in mind, but I can see (laughs) how those dots connect. And that's really cool because we intentionally made something with space and rightly or wrongly, that's, that's what we did. We didn't want to put like a pin in it. Like this is what you're supposed to take away. Um, And for the people that see it, there's a message in there for the people that don't, then it's a film about a murderous family of cannibal farmers. If you want it to be. (laughs) Brett, can you, can you, uh, speaking of film festivals, can you tell us what a fib festival is? (laughs) uh yeah okay right welcome to speak all evil the podcast you were warned about i'm trent here with kevin hello hello Kevin and I are joined by two special guests today. We're very excited to have Brett Chapman and Lewis Coates. Hello, guys. Hi. Thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having us. Brett and Lewis are here to talk about their brand new environmental horror film short called Kiddo. Lewis was kind enough to provide us with a screener of Kiddo. You can see Kiddo now on Alter on YouTube. Kiddo is out there. We loved it. And my first question is to Brett as the director and co-writer of Kiddo. Maybe you could tell us how this began its life. Yeah, sure. Uh, so I wrote the script, but it's based on an original idea um, by Scott from Kitten Pyramid, whose music appears throughout the film and who brought us all together as a team, really. He'd had this, I like the core idea of this, this bus with teenagers on there, and some of the, the stuff that happens. And Jordan, our DP, had worked with Scott on some stuff. So they sort of had like the nugget of the idea together. And then if I'm remembering right, correct me if I'm wrong, Lewis, but Lewis came next. And then I got invited along to initially direct it. And there was this idea floating around, like the, the bones of what the film would be. And then we needed a script. So we we did some work towards getting a script that like we we found ourselves maybe going down like the the wrong route for a little while. So I like very coyly put my hand up and was like, can I have a go at writing the script then? And and that's how I ended up sort of putting the script together. So I I came in last, but then I I did get quite involved in it. And I wanted to make something based on the idea that Scott had, but in the tradition of something like the outer limits, but like the outer, the nineties outer limits, not the original, but I'm really into like sort of, I suppose, sci-fi horror and me and Jordan, the DP really wanted to experiment with a kind of like seventies inspired, gritty, dirty aesthetic, but the whole process of making the film, writing it, shooting it, editing it was a really short, compressed period of time. Ultimately, it was edited over four weeks. So we got the edit, the sound, the grade, everything done in about four weeks. And from the script being finished to it being out in the world was maybe like three months, I think. Anything to add, Lewis? 
yeah i i think i think you're right about that that kind of initial development and and writing process um the idea was you know it could go down a lot of different routes and i think when i first heard the idea i kind of read it as more of a dark comedy you know some of these kind of the characters that were in it in that initial idea stage were much more kind of surreal and what was going on was obviously very kind of wacky so i think the initial direction as a producer that i thought we were going to go down was more of a kind of dark comedy where you're kind of not really knowing what's going on and it's this kind of surreal world but definitely once brett was on um on board the vision of this kind of 70s horror grainy grimy retro kind of style it just kind of rang true as exactly what was needed from it um so it was once we kind of had that that vision on board then things started to go a bit smoother of of you know getting everything together and yeah really pleased with how it turned out i think for for the kind of allegory the concept that we were trying to create i think that's the horror was the perfect kind of genre that um kind of works for it really i'd sort of forgotten that we started with it being like a like a darkly comedic tale like that had sort of left my brain but yeah absolutely it was and I mean, a little bit of that hung on in there in the script right up until the edit, I think, where a sound effect got changed in the edit that like took out the last little bit of the the dark comedy that had been in there. I'd totally forgotten that that's sort of where we we started out with the idea. Well, it's it's honestly, it's how the film starts out. I mean, you have a bunch of teenagers on a bus and a song playing it's like i'm a fucking idiot you're like i was like it starts out with a laugh i'm like where yeah. who the hell starts a movie like this like, <laughs> like that i don't think you got all the dark comedy out there because i think anyone that watches this yeah. is going to start by laughing you're definitely not going to be laughing by the end but what i will say and i'll ask both of you this movie's only 15 minutes long but one of like sort of the the tropes that you pull at is hope and it's impressive that in 15 minutes, you guys manage to literally have like four or five different versions of hope in this very short film. Like, how did that come about? And like, how does that work towards the themes that you're trying to get across? Firstly, on like using idiot at the start. Yeah, that was such a joy when we when that was there to choose from Scott, who's like obviously made the film possible, but that was a song I was like, that's gotta be how we start it. Obviously that's in there. So I too, I'm a big fan of like that particular song. As far as like hope and the hopefulness throughout the film, I suppose, Lewis, can we, can we talk freely as far as spoilers at this point? Are you happy to go? I with think what? so. Yeah. I think, like, I think it's hard not to once. I've got so used to having to talk around what happens in I, the film. Like I know the feeling. <laughs> um, so yeah, perfect. The as far as hope, I th- I think there are a few different. All the characters are at a turning point, mostly apart from maybe um, Bev, the father. But I think like Kiddo as our main character, we're rooting for her throughout. She carries this hope, but then Peggy represents the hope for her of like what could be. And we also meet Jasper at this moment of like, who's he gonna be? What's he gonna be about? Like what choices is he gonna make? And given like the eco theme of the film, for me, he was one of the ways into the story because I was like, this is who most of us are most of the time that we're 
we're on the edge of like knowing what we should do, but what's easiest and what's the path of least resistance and, and where do we go with it and what makes us make those choices, how easy it is to just like go along and do the wrong thing. But there's always like hope for ourselves that maybe we'll, you know, maybe we'll be good. Maybe we'll do the right thing. Um, but I think a lot of the time people maybe like drift through not making the difficult maybe more moral choice in very small ways, not in like big dramatic life altering ways, but just usually like the path of least resistance is where most people go. And that's who Jasper is. He's like, he could be any of us on like any given day, but he's faced with a choice. And in my book, he makes, he makes the the wrong one, but loads of people do. And as for Kiddo, I mean, Hope's a theme, but I don't think there's a lot of it in the film, really, because we're talking about something quite dark and stark, and that's the reality of it. That for in in one big part, the film's an allegory for the meat industry and for what animals go through, like on the on their route to slaughter. There are other readings that we enjoy for it, but that's the main one, and that's a hopeless situation for me personally. Like the, the saddest and most like hopeless part of it is that much like any pet at the end even though she's gone through all that kiddo just goes home like there's nowhere else to go like that's that's what animals do they just go back to what they know and they go home and like after everything that's still like well these are my carers these are the people that I know and I think that that for me is like the saddest part of a journey to have like lost the physical manifestation of her hope in Peggy and then just to go back. Yeah. It's a it's a heavy, sad one. When we we got in the edit and we got there, we I feel like we did have a moment of like it is a bit unrelenting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I've having seen the the film a few times now, I really admire the way it sort of creeps up on you. It doesn't hit you over the head. I didn't think for me, it didn't hit me over the head with necessarily uh, a, a message per se, but there was something unsettling about it. It stayed in my mind and, and I kept thinking about it. And one of the first things that it brought up for me was so funny. It's something I haven't thought about in a really long time. My, my mother, when she was growing up at one point, their family had a pig. They didn't have a farm, but they had they were involved in hunting and fishing and things like that. And she told me this story a long time ago about this pig that they had that all the kids got very attached to and became a little bit of a pet and how eventually the pet was no more. And I didn't even necessarily consciously make that connection with kiddo, but it came up in my mind after I, I watched it, especially a second time. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm thinking I'm, I'm getting this, but one thing I noticed in reading reviews or a number of the reviews is that some of the reviewers seem to take a, a message away that they felt is controversial. Some of the reviews almost warn, well, now there's a controversial message at the heart of kiddo and that message may or may not be for you. So let's talk about it as a film first, and then you can make your own decision on the mess. Almost like, I know, to me, it's not that controversial. I didn't. I don't no. think it's particularly provocative. I wondered if you guys have heard that reaction and if it surprised you at all. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the topic of um, veganism and being environmentally friendly and looking at kind of sustainable life choices, I guess, um, 
it's still a, a kind of hot topic, you know, it's still kind of pushed back and forth. And I think a lot of people don't necessarily know, don't know how to kind of be open about it. It's still a bit of a, even, even between us as kind of filmmakers and the crew and everything, you know, um, finding out what we wanted to say with this film, because we didn't want it to be 100% activism of you should do this. This is how you should think. It's not supposed to be that. Um, and really interesting, Brett, you talking about kind of Jasper's character being the the one that a lot of people kind of sit in the middle where you're at this kind of fork in the road of, of where to go. So I think it was definitely something that we knew would um, people would have a lot of opinions over. And sometimes that's the best thing about film, that it's not like this is what uh, everyone should think. This is what we're, we're telling people. It's actually all these different complexities to the, to the subject that we can explore. So, yeah, I, I think we knew the reviews was, were going to create a lot of uh, division, I guess, which um, I don't know if that's the right thing, but, you know, it's it's um, kind of the the point we are in in history at the moment where I think a lot of opinions are kind of always clashing with each other and it's hard to kind of find the the through route sometimes yeah I I didn't I didn't want to make something that felt like it was overtly pushing a message very heavily on people because what I didn't want to do is like to make make like demons of like a big portion of our audience because I think it can be like people's choices around what they eat and their economic circumstance regarding that is complicated. And it's not a simple question for people to just shift from like being raised their whole life eating meat to then suddenly doing something totally different. I don't want to vilify anybody for that. I've had my own complicated and ongoing complicated relationship with that where I drift in and out being like vegan, vegetarian and, and that sort of stuff. And and what I wanted to do here was make something where that's very much like an intentional reading in there. But I love horror films that leave ambiguity in place. And so it was very much intended that there are a few different ways you could read this film. And as far as I'm concerned, they're all valid. One of the most exciting things for me has been seeing some reviews where people are like, oh, I think it's about this. And when it's one where I'm like, that is not what I had in mind, but I can see it, how those dots connect. And that's really cool because we intentionally made something with space and rightly or wrongly, that's, that's what we did. We didn't want to put like a pin in it. Like this is what you're supposed to take away. Um, and for the people that see it, there's a message in there for the people that don't, then it's a film about a murderous family of cannibal farmers, if you want it to be. <laughs> yeah, it reminded me of Frontiers. Have you ever seen the movie Frontiers? Uh, things like that. You mentioned Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but a, a lot of just good old-fashioned unsettling horror elements in there. So what's shocked me a little bit is I've seen like some of you was talking about how gory it is. And like, I, I don't think it is. I don't no. personally, I don't think there's much in there. And I didn't want it to be that. I wanted to, it to be creepy more than it's scary. I wanted it to be atmosphere more than it's action, I suppose. I don't know whether we've achieved that, but I I don't think it's like a super gory, like grisly to watch film. Uh, it depends on like, what you watch, I guess, but yeah, not, yeah, I, not to I, us. <laughs> I mean, it made me think that if, if I'm in a horror film, getting shot with like a cattle gun doesn't seem like a terrible way to go. <laughs> Could definitely be worse. <laughs> not a lot of yeah. seems like seems like you're down quick and there's not a whole lot of blood to clean up. I mean, it's 
good good on me i am curious yeah. i don't know if i specify you know the movie starts with a bus full of teenagers but these are all teenage girls so i i will say that they're not all teenage girls there are some guys in there and oh really yeah so we make a point of feet so there's a montage of death at some point in the film and there is a point of like featuring one of the guys in there but yeah it is the majority of the passengers are females and actually a part of the like them being teenagers came from like scott's original research around the story of it that pigs that are sent to slaughter are incredibly young so there was a you know there was a version an idea of the film where the the passengers are even younger um which for a few reasons we decided not to go down that route um both like story wise like gut wise and logistically um but yeah i i've seen that pop up a few times and like a few colleagues and friends have mentioned it and so it's not something we're unaware of and like it's something that i'm interested in and talk talking about but it's not something we specifically had in mind with this film I'm always curious about the relationship between producer and director. And if, if I'm understanding you correctly, Lewis, this, this idea of, of Scott's was sort of germinating and you came on board and then recruited Brett. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, so my uh, co-producer Jordan, um, who's also our, our director of photography as well, he had this uh, kind of initial conversation with, with Scott uh, and he kind of, uh has done more more cinematography than he, than he has producing so kind of quickly brought me on board to kind of i guess help with the scale of it i think initially it could have been um a kind of elongated music video this kind of idea that he had because he, he knew that he uh, scott knew that he wanted you know some of his music to be throughout it but the second we started bringing in characters and the, the idea just had so much space for all these different you know explorative kind of ways of, of of working and exploring that kind of story um that we kind of wanted the the scale of it so yeah me and me and jordan kind of worked together to um to help kind of develop those kind of ideas and then quickly brought Brett on for the the kind of vision of it all as well. Well, I'm I'm pretty familiar with Brett's work now because Brett, you've got so much of it out there. Um, BrettInTheCity.com is the website, yeah. and Brett's got tons and tons of shorts uh, on that site and and samples of his work. So I'm familiar with all that. I, I'm I'm curious, Lewis, what your history, if you have one, if you have a history in film or short film, and where you came from as far as being you know being involved at, at a production level. Yeah. So. Um... Yeah, Static Flow Productions is my production company. So we've done probably about five or six short films um, and one documentary that I, I worked on with Brett earlier last year. And that kind of started off me in a kind of writing directing format just because I really liked script and ideas and that kind of thing. But I slowly realized I really like working with other writers and other directors and actually kind of rather than having an idea from scratch and kind of working it working it up to kind of production to actually kind of multitask on multiple projects i'm a bit greedy i like working on lots and lots of stuff and yeah kind of uh, seeing a kind of early draft of a script knowing what works and what doesn't you know changing this add this have you thought about this kind of thing and i really like the kind of script development process of, of taking it from you know an acorn of an idea or a first draft and then you know especially with knowing locations and logistics and that of actually making a film what's the best film we can make with this idea so yeah quickly went from kind of directing and, and writing into producing where i can kind of work with yeah lots of different people on on their their work really 
are, are you both on set every day? Are you working hand in hand in that sort of manner? I'll say, yeah, I, I think mostly the producer's work is kind of the pre-production, getting the the kind of the locations, the crew, the equipment, the uh, casting kind of down. So I think if you've if you've done a good job, you do 90% of your work in pre-production and everything's good to go. And then it's on the day you're kind of problem solving um, and then letting kind of Brett have the space to to kind of take the lead in, in terms of directing. So I think that's kind of how it worked on, on Kiddo. It doesn't always work like that, but it felt pretty smooth once we were on set. Yeah, I've got to say, I, I really appreciated how you worked. I think for me, the main thing with Lewis, first and foremost is he has great taste and I trust his taste um, and like respect his taste and also like an amazing problem solver preempt problems and make sure everything is like amazing and set up ready to go. But when it inevitably does happen that something needs fixing or we need more of something like a dynamo, as far as getting it done, getting it done quickly. And for me personally, um, only gives me a no when it's a really serious no. Like it's really accommodating and really helps me and like nurtures what it is I'm trying to do. And so it's like, no, mate, that that's we can't be doing that. That's that's a hard no. But like that feels rare and not in like a yes man kind of way, but in a because it comes from such a creative background, just understanding the process we're going through. So right. yeah, um, big fan. <laughs> Appreciate that. Thank you. Lewis, you mentioned uh, casting. I wanted to talk about Lisa Howard, who plays Kiddo, mm. uh, because we said teenagers, but Kiddo, the the star of the movie, she's not a teenager. Kiddo is much older. Um, how did you guys come about Lisa? And what is the sort of the reason that you had Kiddo be this much older person? I know that Jasper refers to her as pet a number of times, but I'm just curious how she got on board and and what the whole purpose of the character was. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Kiddo, obviously, we wanted to kind of stand out as being kind of different from the rest. She's our kind of our titular character. Um, and Scott had talked before about having her um, as as an older character because she's kind of she's a pet. So she had, um, as you were saying before, she's been kind of uh, kept in the family home a bit longer. She's they kind of grew fond of her and kind of kept her around for a bit longer. And I think almost that they're if maybe in the back of their head that these characters know that they're they're doing something that's not very nice, almost putting their hope in one pig or one animal or, or whatever, um, and that's the one they care for, almost kind of removes their their guilt, I guess, for for how they treat all the other animals. So that's kind of again one one kind of way to look at it. Um, but in terms of the casting process, yeah, there are a few people we had in mind. Um, we wanted to work with kind of Northern English talent. Um, the film's all set in, in Yorkshire. So we kind of looked quite locally for a lot of our, our cast as well. And she just had a real, Brett had worked with her before um, on a project that he can talk about um, shortly as well. But she just had a real complexity to her kind of the way she performs, even when she's not you know, it's a lot of facial expressions, even when she's not talking, there's just a real weight to to her character that I don't think it's, don't think many actors can can really get to that level where you just kind of look at them and you, you can really feel, you know, what she's feeling. Yeah, I think, I think Lisa's amazing. And I was so excited to get to work with her again. I'd, previously, I'd worked with her on like a piece of theatre that we worked on for like a year uh, in Hull 
in the UK and she had played this character in it and I'd been there like making some of the filmed content for the show and stuff and like a few things struck me one that she's just super sound like just a great person to be around like a really good energy but also for kiddo that like she's got a great look like a great look for this part and also what Lewis has touched on that like what she can do without dialogue I really admire and I knew that I'd written a film with like not a great deal of dialogue and a lot of the stuff happening and a lot of the storytelling happening in action and reaction so of the people like there were a few people that I wanted to work with again that I worked with and of those people like Lisa was on the list of like I think she could be really cool for this and yeah, I I can't say enough about it. And also like her versatility. If you look at some of the work that she does, like from like broad comedies to like drama, there's there's not a lot that she can't do. Um, and she was so game for everything that we did on Kiddo and like a really good energy to have on set and just nailed who we hoped that character would be and like understood what it was we were trying to say. Brett, I watched quite a few of your shorts leading up to Kiddo, and I'm assuming, uh, or I'm, I'm wondering, if is Kiddo your first foray into fictional horror? Yeah, yeah. So it's it's my first. I mean, I made I made one one minute horror film for a um, for a contest at a local film festival for fun with some friends, but as as far as the horror that I've made, yes. And like, I've always loved horror films. I've grown up watching horror films. The first real film set that I got on was, um, I worked on like a horror feature film for two years when I left university. It was like a micro budget zombie horror film called um, Escatrilogy, or I think it got released as The Book of the Dead. Um, it got okay. a cinema release right. in the Philippines. Wow, uh, hey, okay. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I like, I initially was part of the camera department on that. And I learned a lot. I learned a great deal about like what to and not do and stuff, all of that. But as far as my own piece of horror, yeah, this is like my first go at it. So I think I ended up throwing in a lot of the a lot of the films that I really love and a lot about the genre that I most enjoy trying to get that into this. Because it was like my first opportunity to do it and to be like, this is the sort of horror film that that I like to watch so whether it's in terms of the the pacing the tone or just aesthetically there's all sorts of like posters from my wall growing up that I've pushed into this film or like little bits that I've enjoyed from horror whether whether it's like simple things like I loved creep show 2 growing up because because of the dvd extras on it that I learned loads about like filmmaking and how to work with like gore at a low budget level and stuff like that things like that through to I think obviously Texas Chainsaw was a big inspiration for us as far as like the look and the feel and like the the tactile nature of it all so for me personally it was just really exciting as a fan of horror to get to like pick my favorite bits and try and stitch them together into into something that might be satisfying hopefully satisfying for the people but I you know I can't deny I went into it thinking that what sort of horror film do I want to see what do I want to make and what what would I like to watch and I'm, that's what I've made 
and so, and Lewis, have you have you dabbled in the genre before? Not directly in horror. No, I think a lot of the, the the scripts I'm usually drawn towards have a kind of dark thriller or a kind of supernatural presence. Um, I done a I've done a sci-fi recently, which um, is a kind of a grief drama, but there's this kind of supernatural presence underneath it as well. So I think a lot of the stuff that I I enjoy might not be horror on the surface, but you know that there's complexities and there's kind of um, darkness looming, kind of just because I think. I think that just adds an extra really interesting layer for your characters to have to deal with, you know, um, and also for your audience to kind of contemplate, um, but not, not directly in horror, but I really love the the atmosphere of this. I think it, it's, if you take some of the the gory horror elements as out of it as well, the, uh, the kind of dread and the, the colors and everything kind of links together to be this kind of murky, just interesting, interesting film. Do you guys have ambitions for a full length of this? I mean, this is sort of, you know, we we just did an episode on the show of short films that turned into these like smaller budget, but mass grossing, you know, lights out, smile, obviously from last year. What's next for kiddo or, or was this like a one and done? Uh, I just listened to that episode. I enjoyed it. Uh, <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank yeah, you. Because I, I I watched um, Smile the other day. So I was like, yeah, I'll check this out. And yeah, I enjoyed it. I thought it was interesting to see how those things move from short into into feature. I I don't know uh, the answer. Lewis might know better than me at the minute. I think we're so, we've been so swept up and caught up in getting this scene. Get, and, and on my part, like getting it done and getting it ready because we had like a deadline to meet to get out into the world that I've not really, I've not thought much about where it might go afterwards. I know that like Scott is, is definitely like interested in like, how can we keep this world going, develop it further? But like, I'm, I'm just focused on like, please watch our film that we've made (laughs) and like have a chat about it. I don't know what you think though. It's like, where are you at? Yeah. I think it's it's definitely an interesting one. Um, I think, Pretty much every short film I do nowadays, I kind of looked it to be a proof of concepts. Um, I think definitely there's um, the kind of short to feature route. If you can prove that it can be done and these are the characters and this is an interesting world, then it's easier to kind of get a funder on board than if it's just a kind of completely new concept. Um, But I think it has to be done properly. And I think there's some short to features which... You know, they've kind of taken just one scene from a short film and the feature version feels like they haven't really got enough depth to the story to kind of make it into a feature. And it's kind of one clever, you know, concept that doesn't necessarily work as as much as a longer form. Mm -hmm. So for this to kind of work, I think for me, the short works really well because you kind of once you realize what it's about, then it kind of gives it this new kind of message. I think it would have to be the structure of it would have to be very different in a feature film. I don't think you can just make the short into a feature. So if it was going to happen, I think it would have to be using the characters, using the world, but probably from the outset, we know what it's yeah. all about and where, where to go with it. So it would probably feel very, very different in in my view. What would, what would, uh, what would be the best way to t- tell it? Um, but like you say, there's so many different the world has so many avenues to explore that um, it really could. You could make, you know, five or six different versions of a feature script and pick what's best, really. Yeah, I agree that, like, in a in a feature form, the mystery can't sustain. Yeah. And, and even, like, we've talked about it a little bit, but for me, I was always, 
felt like I was towing a line between like how obvious is it what's going on versus like is it too obscure and and I'll be honest like I got even getting to the end of the edit I was like oh it's so obvious what this is about and what's happening and like there is no mystery to solve like you just start watching it and you know but from feedback that we've had from the audience I'm like oh no there's you know, a lot of people are watching it and like they feel like they realize it at the end or they're figuring it out as they go. And that's that's been satisfying. But that is a puzzle and a challenge that I think a film like this can sustain over 15 minutes in a way that, like Lewis says, in terms of a feature, I don't I don't think it could in the same way. But that's not to say that the characters and the world isn't interesting enough to like yeah vessel for a for a feature length story but i think it need to be a very different kind of approach to what we took with the short were it to be fleshed out into a feature i think the mystery that you're talking about is is sort of what i talked about at the beginning like that's those like different levels of hope that's mystery and, and hope can kind of be you know they can go hand in hand but i i would tell you guys i mean you've created characters in a world that i would i would pay 14 bucks at the theater to go see a 90 minute version of it. So before we were rolling, Brett, you talked about having gone a release route. As we, as we mentioned, this is out on alter. You can watch it on YouTube. You talked about going a, a release route before film festivals and now turning to the film festival circuit. I wondered what was behind that decision to release first and then look at festivals rather than the reverse. Yeah, we recognize like for a short film, we've sort of done it in reverse, but that's because Kitten, this being the birth child of like Scott at Kitten Pyramid, there, there's also um, an album that shares the same name, Kiddo, right. that had a release date. And whilst our film is like its own original story, there is crossover in the themes. They share similar themes and they were made to live with one another. So we always knew that the plan for this film was that it would need to like come out around the same time as the album. Um, so that meant that like we forego the usual route of going to festivals first, getting it online and, and building buzz that way, because the that's why the, the film was allowed to like live. That's how it came about, that it was going to support this album and the album would support the film. Um, but we're hopeful, and I hope I'm right here, Louis, that that doesn't mean it can't have a festival life. Because, you know, we we hope that like the horror community would embrace it and enjoy it and that it would find its little space um, at the festivals. And there are some really cool horror festivals, like some of my favourite times of like being, there's one in Sheffield, Celluloid Screens, which I've been to, it's a really, really good fun. And it's always a good bunch of people that go to horror festivals. So I like, I'd quite like to be a part of that for a little bit if we can, if we can make that happen. Absolutely. And I, I think film festivals is, it's always a bit of a, can be a stab in the dark, you know, you've, you know how how much you think of your film and even if reviews kind of support it sometimes you know it's, it's sometimes a year doing film festivals of, of not having it online not really showing anyone so that you can let the festivals have kind of el different eligibility of kind of non-premiere stuff so sometimes you can have a full year of of hoping and wishing and waiting <laughs> and so, you know sometimes you're this is uh 
I think a, a theme and a, a conversation that is is so kind of current that actually kind of waiting a year, you know, th- things change. The social landscape of 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 what's current and what's kind of good to watch kind of changes. So um, I think it's really interesting to kind of do it backwards and kind of be. I think the the film is very bold and daring. So to kind of go against the grain of how things should be done, I think is just kind of in tune with with what we were hoping for. It really. Brett, can you can you uh, speaking of film festivals, can you tell us what a fib festival is? <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. Right. Uh, when I suppose when I say a fib festival, um, I mean fib as in I like to say fibula bells. Uh, so lies, like a fib is a little lie, uh, and I think you're referring to like a a thread I got involved in online about. I think there are a number of um, festivals, I will not name any, but I think there are a number of festivals that exist to exploit like green or naive filmmakers into submitting for relatively high submission fees with very little hope of ever getting anything tangible in return. And it seems to me that there's a small industry that exists around this. Um which I don't think is cool and I don't agree with. And that generally speaking amongst like the community, we know which festivals are good, which ones aren't. Um, And it does seem like there's a a business model that relies on tricking like people who are just starting out or the more inexperienced into submitting to festivals um, that offer no real route to even get in an audience. I'm talking about some of these don't exist. Like they just have a page and there will not be a festival. There will be nothing there. So I got involved in like a conversation about it. Just like make asking people to be sure they do their research before they like spend a load of money that they might not have. Because you often hear stories around like indie filmmakers or people just starting out who, and I did this myself with like one of my first films that you will spend more money submitting to festivals than you do making your no budget first film that you've made in the hopes that someone will notice and see it. And sometimes that money is better spent elsewhere. Um, And I just don't like the idea of people full of hopes and dreams getting exploited by, by people for like a little bit of cash. Well, Kevin and I have spent a lot of time in the music world. So we are very (laughs) familiar with the dynamic that you're talking about. Yeah. We've also spent a lot of times review a lot of time reviewing shorts for certain festivals. Um, and let me just say uh, thank you for introducing me to Alter. I did not know that this existed, uh, and I went down a rabbit hole hard last night, <laughs> and it made me really, really sad for all the time that Trent and one of our other co-hosts, Dave, and myself have spent reviewing pretty bad shorts. And I was like, why couldn't I just find Alter? Um, and, and, and speaking of shorts that turned into a feature i had no idea that piggy started off as a short film uh on alter um so that was that was kind of cool as well but thank thank you guys I, I don't know how you got hooked up with them but uh i i've got hours ahead of me of of alter films to watch how did yeah maybe could you tell us lewis how how you got hooked up with alter because i i had i was not familiar with alter previously either yeah, so there are um, the kind of umbrella company is called Gunpowder and Sky, and they're a kind of uh, American production company. Uh, and I f- they have a kind of sister company uh, or kind of alter as their kind of horror 
angle uh, and then dust is their sci-fi one so i had made a, a sci-fi short about memory probably about three or four years ago um, and that got picked up by dust um and i got yeah kind of really into all the stuff that they were doing and alter was always on my on my list of you know i'd love to do a, a kind of horror short to to kind of get into that as well because similar to what we're saying that the community for both horror and sci-fi um is just huge and you know loads and loads of um followers and the, the, just the conversations that they have on youtube is just amazing to kind of deep dive into the meanings of everything so yeah alter has been on my list of of people to work with for a while and luckily this this kind of came up that um we kind of needed an online platform before the festivals and i was like you know i've got some contacts here that i can send some stills and a, and a rough cut to um and they were really really interested i think as well to kind of have it just before christmas as well or it was on the 29th of december was our kind of our release date so just after people are kind of fat and enjoying you know their christmas dinner and everything right at that perfect moment <laughs> they're, they're thinking, am i gonna am i gonna go go back to the gym you know there's i think all the all the messages that we were talking about um that i mean that was completely luck that we we thought right december's they've got a, a couple of dates free kind of in the middle of december and it kind of worked out really nicely well, I know you guys have have just put Kiddo now finally out into the world, but I'm I'm wondering if you could each tell us what is on the horizon for you individually or uh, as a team. Brett, do you have an, a next project underway? Do you have a next project in mind, or what are you looking forward to next? Yeah. Uh, so for me personally, like my main focus this year is to finish writing the script of the feature film that I've like everyone else I've been writing for the last 10 years. Um, so like getting that done is what is absorbing a lot of my time outside of, of work. But I'm, I'm hoping that me, Jordan and Lewis will develop another film together. Um, me and Lewis are doing uh, a little documentary together. Um, I'm working on another documentary. I sort of jumped between doing narrative and documentary stuff because the doc stuff allows me to keep shooting. Right. And I really, I really like shooting as well. Um, so I've got a few things on the horizon that are like definitely happening and a couple that I'm excited to, to try and get underway. But the main focus for me this year is to really put some effort into getting my featuring good enough shape to, to share to talk about and start getting the ball rolling with. Can you give us a hint on the direction creatively, the, the direction of the feature? Is there something you can tell us about the idea? Yeah. Uh, so I, I've been referring to it as a bit of a, um, a mixed media feature film uh, in that it sort of combines elements of narrative documentary animation uh, all into one piece. It's sort of a film that feels like flicking through a notebook is a plan for it. Um, and it centers around a group of friends who come back together to celebrate the, the gallery opening of one of their mysteriously absent friends. Cool. And Lewis, what's uh, on the horizon for you? Yeah, I've got a, a couple of short films kind of in pre-production. Uh, one's a, uh, a a fantasy comedy uh, about two people that fall in love and one of them is a witch. So it's kind of uh, exploration of identity with this kind of, again, a kind of supernatural kind of fantasy twist. 
Um, so we're shooting that at the end of this month. And then it's kind of looking for the kind of next step in terms of longer form stuff. Um, I think I've got a lot of peers who are uh, going for their first features and that, that process sometimes takes quite a long time to kind of get the script ready, get the funding for it. You know, it can be four or five years. So, um, you know, starting that process, I think, is a, is a 2023 resolution. So it always feels very daunting. But um, yeah, I think I've done quite a lot of short films. I think I've, I can do them quite easily now. It doesn't feel like as much of a challenge. So I think, you know, finding that kind of next challenge really is, is what's on the horizon this year. Well, thank you guys so much for spending time with us today. Really, yeah. really exciting to talk to you guys. Check out Kiddo on Alter. Check out Kiddo on YouTube. You can keep up with Brett Chapman at brettinthecity.com. And Lewis Coates, where can people go to keep up with what you're doing? Yeah, staticflowproductions.com is our kind of website with all our stuff. Uh, or at Lewis Coates underscore on Twitter and Instagram. Thank awesome. you, guys. Thank you so much for having That's us. So much. Great. Yeah. Good chat.